Welcome to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things screen-free. My name is John Allen Turner, and my my friend who's massaging his own neck over How there. Are you okay? now, brown cow? My How? voice is like, is is coming out of like the front of my mouth. It's a weird feeling. It's like there's there's something <laughs> stuck it, in my throat and I can't talk. Do you normally talk out of the side fully. of your mouth? I do. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, Hal Edward Runkle. Like Hal. Peter. Are you okay? I'm, <clears throat> no, I, I just bust, bursted everyone's eardrums. <laughs> Is it bursted or is it burst? I, I think it's burst. I think burst is both uh, both present, present and, and past tense, I believe. Someone out there, if only we knew an English teacher who could help us with these things. But my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. She, <laughs> she, she hears enough, enough of, of me. The last thing she's going to do is say, hey, I want to hear 50 minutes of <laughs> Hal and John. I'll do it while I jog. Well, maybe she would no. want to, you know, if I if I made more fun of you or no, if I... She no, she would listen to it and critique me, and so oh, I'm dear. glad. Well, yes, we don't She's want that. She's always been my harshest critic. Okay. Like, really? You thought that yeah. story was funny? Oh, okay. That oh, seemed, okay. So that, that, that seemed like that flowed naturally yes. to you. I mean, it's always, like, after I do Today's Show, I get this flood of texts, right? Who see oh, it, because it's live so TV, good. right? You yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. And said, said you went with that, that tie? <laughs> really? Okay. Oh, so you thought you'd tell that story oh, about us? Well, yeah. Really? You, you've you've gotten yourself in trouble telling some stories. Yes, that I did not clear with her. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it would not have cleared with her, and so <laughs> I took strategic risks. We had a situation on a podcast uh, maybe six months ago that uh, oh, we yeah? had to edit out. Do you remember that? Where yeah. We were in the middle of yeah. recording, and she called, and you put her on speakerphone, and we had you had this. Yeah, whole... she was going to be on the phone, yeah, yeah, on the yeah. thing, and she was like, "No, no, 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 yeah, yeah." yeah. And you you called me later that day, and you said, um, "Could you just uh, mm-hmm. edit that whole part out?" So that my wife is very direct. <laughs> it's one of the things I uh, for the most for, that, for though, the most right? part. Like, yes, that's, she is, that's an important thing. Tactful, but I mean, if you read Screen Free Marriage, there's a lot of stories I say in there about. Her ability to authentically represent herself. Yeah. Yeah, and she does that that well. Yeah, I think um, being able to say what one wants without apologizing for it, that's that's one of the most uh, endearing... Well, it's also one of the most emotionally mature things yeah. to do. It's very... Because if you scream it out, this is what I want, then you're not really saying what you want. You're saying what you need. If you're yeah, yeah, anxiously yeah. screaming it out... But if you're able to say, this is what I want, because when you're saying it calmly, you're also saying, I don't need it. I'm going to be okay without it, but this is what I want. Right. Or you're able to say, this is what I want, and I'm going to go get it. And I'm going to go pursue it. And uh, if you want to come along, that would be fantastic. And if not, I'm still going. Right. And and that is, I think, sometimes one of the hardest things for people who are in a relationship, in a coupled relationship relationship to do. Yes, it's a theme we talk about in Scream for Marriage. It is not developed enough, I don't believe, about the uh, inform and invite. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a a great little formula. And it's the most power you have in your marriage. Mm -hmm. Anything more than that... Is manipulation or... Some form of control. Yeah. Right. Which never, ever gets you what you want, because what you want is for the person to decide to choose the same thing as you... On their own. It's like it, that line in the, um, what was that Jennifer Aniston movie? I don't want you to do the dishes. I yeah. want you to want to do the dishes. Exactly. But by asking him to do the dishes, you ruin the, yeah. you ruin the possibility. So how do you handle that? 
You say, inform and invite. You say, you can, it can be, I'm not going to do the dishes. Whether you do is up to you. Mm-hmm. But I'm done. And that's it. I'm just yeah. not doing the dishes not, tonight. Not doing them tonight. Right? Whether you do is up to you. And leaving at that, and then not having that carry over where you're constantly watching him. Is he going to? Is he not going to? And then well, refusing to touch him or yeah, converse thing, with him. Penalizing or... him for choosing right. what he not chooses. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I want you to do the dishes, but if you don't do them, that's completely up to you. Yes. I just want you to know that I'll be sleeping in the guest room for the next yeah, three weeks exactly. or like Until that. you do the dishes. Exactly. Right? I think no. that's that's part of what, uh, what a lot of couples get stuck in that kind of a pattern. Sure. Because... Well, they project automatically that he's not going to do them, right? right? Which he may not, he may choose not to do, but he's not going to do them. And so, why am I even going through this? He's never going to do them, you know? Never going to do them. And already, if you're already saying that, then you are shaping your next interaction with him, which is going to come across with that attitude. Mm-hmm. No one is that good of an actress in the relationship <laughs> that matters most to you. Right. That's right? the thing. Yeah. You may be able to pull that off somewhere else, but not in this Sure, not arena. in this uh, relationship. Or no. they turn their relationship into kind of, or turn their home into some version of Lysistrata. Yes. Or the, old, the ancient Greek play, you know, where the women just refused to have sex with the men until the yep. men conceded to their list of demands. Right. And I think that's a pattern in a lot of marriages as well. Not marriages, it's just couples, you know, struggle with that kind of a dynamic too, where like she holds the keys to that. She is the gatekeeper yeah. of the magic palace, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> if you will. Please promise me you will never write a book using that kind of terminology. I'm going to say the keys <laughs> to the magic palace. <laughs> that's that's the name of my uh, erotica book right there. Are you, you gonna? Are you no, writing yeah. erotic fiction um, yes, these days? Yeah. That's that's why we haven't had a new screen free book out in a while because I've been Hal's busy. busy writing. Erotic fiction. Yes, yes. Now, that is something my wife uh, would laugh at all day. <laughs> do you guys write poems back and forth? Do you write little love things? Do you, do really? You, uh, You're really asking me that? I am. Do you write poems? Do you... Do you do you're really asking me it's that? Ba- it's close to Valentine's Day, dude. A lot of people, a lot of guys out there are yes. thinking, like, what do I do? How, do I right. just go get a Hallmark card? But you're or do not I write seriously something? asking me if I write poems back and forth with my wife. Because you know I don't. <laughs> Write poems back and forth with my wife. I'm trying to create a podcast your wife will listen to here. No, it's impossible. (laughs) If you get George Clooney as a guest, yes, she'll be all over that. Do you think George Clooney and uh, what's his wife's name, his new wife? I don't know her name. You you think they're uh, writing uh, erotic poetry back and forth for uh, Valentine's Day? No. No? It is, I guess, their first Valentine's Day together, huh? Well, first Valentine's Day as a married couple. Yeah, you know what's interesting about this Valentine's Day? Tell me. Is it is going to be the first Valentine's Day in our twenty? I guess I think it's twenty five years together. Yeah. Twenty one married. Yeah, where we're actually going to celebrate. Really, we have never celebrated Valentine's Day in any way, shape, or form because it's a human construct named after a uh, very violent scene yes. from the Middle Ages, who literally did arrow people <laughs> to death, and it did not make them fall in love. Yes, right, right. it's and, a horror and they, story. And they burned him. They did. They burned him at the stake. They did. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Get your yeah. candy. <laughs> Valentine's Day. I, I have protested this. I And you can read. We have lots of articles sure, online yeah, about yeah. this. I just don't like it. It's kind I of a human have. construct. And a Hallmark And invented. it forces. Yeah. It's a relationship killer. Yeah. There, there's no doing... I don't know. It, it, there's a lot. Anyways... My daughter refers to it. My 15-year-old daughter refers to it as the day before 60% off chocolate day. Yes. Exactly. So, 
That's the good thing about it. Yeah. But it just so happens I have to be in Arizona this week at Fort Huachuca. I get to be in Arizona. God bless you. At Fort Huachuca. Huachuca in Arizona. <laughs> and my kids are out of town next weekend doing something on their own. And so she's flying out to Phoenix. And we're oh, nice. Doing a little Hilton Points okay. uh, bot yeah. resort thingy. We'll now, a little uh, golf, a little uh, massage, a little dinner. little... Yeah, okay. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's that. Is that going to be like a pattern breaker for you guys? Or yeah, is, it's is never it requiring you to compromise your integrity on this whole Valentine's Day stand? No, it just, taken so it just so happened that Valentine's Day fell on the weekend that we were doing this. Which is rare that, that Valentine's Day falls on a weekend, you know. Yeah, because uh, uh, my kids get like. This is their winter break. So they oh, get right, Friday, right. It's also, Monday, uh, Tuesday. It's President's Day weekend. So, yeah, yeah that kind of so, thing. So she gets off from teaching. And... Yep. I, for years and years, uh, spoke. I, I would speak in different places. It used to be there was, um, there was a, a big event for, uh, for teenagers called Winterfest. Yes. Which still goes on. But I was one of the speakers for that it's for a middle school. My son and daughter both have gone to that. Yeah, up in uh, uh, Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg. Yeah, there's yeah. one in Dallas in January, and then there's one in Gatlinburg in February. And it's, it's historically been President's Day weekend, which is always right around yep. Valentine's Day. And so I used to be there every year. And then mm-hmm. for a number of years, I spoke at... Um, uh, uh, marriage retreats and and things like that, all on Valentine's. Yep, that's right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's here's the main thing that I don't like about it. Are we celebrating erotic romantic love? Because I got a Valentine's Day card from my mother, which is weird, and my kids get one right, from that's... both grandmothers. Or no, all four. You ever do stuff for your kids for Valentine's Day? Oh, good Lord, no. Because I've never, never either. I've never celebrated with my wife, so why would I celebrate with my kids? <laughs> but the idea that I got one from my teachers, I heard going, this... you're my Valentine, yeah. what? Huh? Yeah, I heard really? this on the radio the other day. They were advertising, uh, dads, your daughter oh, would God. love oh, God. some piece of jewelry from the such and such collection at such mm. and such store. And I thought, well, who is... That's fine. They may I love mean... that piece of jewelry, but you're not my Valentine. Right. I don't get it. I don't either. I do not get it. The, this whole thing about um, romance and Valentine's Day and, and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff, it just makes us kind of squeamish. Mm. We're squeamish about it. We want, I think most people want to have a date on Valentine's Day. Most people want to have someone say, I love you, have, you know, sure. that kind of stuff. Sure. But we do feel this undue amount of pressure to make Valentine's Day this perfect See, also, yeah, I, when I started off, I, I used to work in churches, as you know, and um, and I worked a lot with singles groups, and mm-hmm. the Valentine's Day was a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Right? It was like this one day that, hey, thanks for reminding me how crappy uh, my life is and uh, how I yeah. don't have what everybody says I need. And right? if we have listeners, I'm sure we have a few listeners out there who are single, or mm-hmm. maybe they're single again, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can't, the pressure right. to find someone... To do something with on Valentine's Day can be, and then you know the pink and red don't go together. No, they don't. They, they clash. They don't go together. I don't like it. It's an ugly holiday. Yeah, there you have it. Okay. But of course, it's still a very, very popular holiday. That's right. And it does put this pressure that we're supposed to be together, and so it makes perfect sense that you get relationship movies. Yeah, released yeah, 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 on yeah. Valentine's well, Day. And like because... a couple years ago, there was a movie. Horrible movie called Valentine's <laughs> Day that came out a couple of years ago. Yes. That one of those that's twelve different stories oh, happening. Boy, yeah, oh, yeah. that movie is awful. 
Okay. Like so, New Year's Day was the... Oh, that was, oh, oh so I'm telling you, both yeah, of them yeah, are terrible. Yeah, yeah, they're terrible. Yes. But uh, I think some of that is because uh, dinner and a movie, traditionally, sure. is the, the ideal sure. date. But this Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day, yeah, Day yeah, yeah. weekend so, will yeah. not be... It will not be populated by couples. You don't think? No. You don't think couples are going to go... No, it's going to be girls' a... <laughs> night out. <laughs> so there is this movie. Perhaps you've heard of it. Yeah. And it's coming out uh, Friday. The 13th. That's right. <laughs> and it is... And believe uh... me, it's going to be a horror movie. Yeah, it's Just called you know. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes, it is. So Fifty Shades of Grey, based on the best-selling book by... E. E. L. James, James, I believe. Not E. L. Doctorow. No, that's a different, that's a different uh, author. Not E. F. Hutton, but uh, and that's e. a pen yeah. name. It's a woman. Something. Her name. Her initials are E. L. Yeah. Her last name is L. But I can't remember what it is. So but she, she is wrote the, this uh, trilogy of books. This worldwide phenomenon, right? A hundred million S- copies. Second, sold? second in our lifetime. Second only to Harry Potter. Yeah. The, the uh, just recently became the best-selling novel of all time in Great Britain, so it surpassed no, Harry it, Potter. It's in there. the top, I think. I mean, uh, the Bible is, is outsold everything by sure. a million, right? Yeah. And then up there, you've got, uh, in terms of a single book, you've got Doctor Spock's book is yeah, up there. Yeah, yeah. Then you've got the Purpose Driven Life, right? Right. But uh, but a series, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, if you count that. But non, or those are all but, nonfiction, right? But for a fictional work, right, right, this is ridiculous. How much it has sold, and over a hundred million copies. How it's become just part of our culture. Well, I mean, they've tied it to all these ancillary products. I see what huge, you did there. Yeah, you tied it. Thank you, thank you very much. To these, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, BDSM products that are available at all the love shacks and yeah. and whatnot. And even and this is the thing that. Um, that that's I, what is, I heard. Trouble- <laughs> from what I've read, from what one I've of the things seen. that's troubling to some people is that it's not just tied to products you would get at a Love Shack or an right. Insurrection or right. an Adam and Eve store mm-hmm. or something like that. It's tied to products you can find at Target. Yeah. So that's how mainstream this book has gone. It is it uh, just from a all right for, as 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 a therapist and a um, a sex therapist, a trained, certified sex therapist. Uh, the, there are so many things I want to say about this and make right. comments on it. Right. But just standing back from a publishing perspective, yeah. right? As yeah, authors, just as a writer, yeah, you, 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 you know, I can understand how ridiculously hard it is to sell a book, right? Yes. It, to sell a hundred million. Oh my! She made how much money last 95 year? Ninety-five million dollars last on year on royalties. And this started. Yeah. She's As in. Fan she's, she's in her fifties, right? Yeah. And she started writing fan fiction for the Twilight series. Remember the vampires? Yeah. The, the Twilight vampire. Where, thing. where yeah. you know, now you go online and you post a little blog or, uh, you, like or you whatever. Make up a little story with some of the characters. With those characters, from, yeah, right? Yeah. It's very popular, right? Nobody ever reads it except some people started to read this, yeah. and then she got a publisher who just published it online first. They wouldn't dare put it in print. No, because it was so racy and. Yeah. and and then, wow. Yeah. So for, for the uninitiated out there, um, you, you used a, a term, BDSM. So yes. BDSM stands for Bondage, Domination, Domination Sadomasochism. Masochism, yes. Right. So, so for the uninitiated out there, Sadism, what are we talking about? We're talking about, yes. um, we're talking about uh, tying people or like handcuffs. Yeah. 
And we're talking about like spanking. Various forms of sexual play that involve the temporary, voluntary mm-hmm. um, subjugation of one partner to another. So one of the partners completely surrenders whatever is going to play out here right. to the other partner. Like we were talking about earlier, about the inform and invite. Yeah. Inform and invite is so hard for people to get around because, well, then it's not going to lead to the outcome I want, right? It's not going to yeah. guarantee that I get what I want. And I, you need to tell me how to guarantee I get what I want from my partner, which is a subjugation of that partner. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to manipulate or coerce or somehow or other dominate this somehow, other person into doing what I want. Because what we think is the only way two people can eventually find connection is if they fully agree. And since it is so hard to get two free-thinking equal people to agree on anything, we think one person has to necessarily defer to the other. Right. Especially when it comes to how are we going to participate in our sexuality. So this is taking that to an extreme level. Well, it's saying, look, since that's so hard, let's just remove the difficulty and just say you are subject to me in this area for this amount of time. So for this amount of time, you know, on a Friday night or on Valentine's Day or whatever, I will be your slave. In You'll, for, yes. for lack of a and some term. people use I, that term. Some people just say, I'll be your subject, or some right. people go, you, you will know. be my master, yes. and I will be your slave, and I will have to, I'll be bound by the rules of our own little agreement Arrangement, here. right. I will be bound and obligated to do whatever you desire. Yes. And if I do those things that you desire, then you will bless me with certain rewards. Okay. Right? And those can be rewards of sexual nature, or they can be... Material in in nature, they can be complementary or something. Yes. If I disappoint you in some way, shape, or form, yes, you can then punish me. Yes. So the so it is an ultimate system of punishment and reward. And what I do not want anyone listening to hear is how I'm automatically, categorically, uh, um, what would I denigrating the BDSM. Community. Culture, right, community, yeah, yeah. right? That is a. No, we're not passing judgment on them. We're trying to a, accurately, and that is a form. It is a form of role play. Yeah, that is specifically put. The boundaries are specifically put on it to make it uh, safe for both partners. Right, and that's but the thing. It's allow this them is to play a, out these fantasies. This is about two willing participants. Yes, in this, but it is a way to, I believe, negotiate the difficulty of two. Free-thinking, free-choosing individuals Mm -hmm. to figure out how are we going to co-participate in one act. Yes. Because couples really, really struggle with this. Uh, I had a professor, Dr. Major Boglin, who talked about the, um, the lowest common denominator phenomenon. So I come into the marriage with these certain ideas, or to the relationship, right, uh, to the sexual relationship. I come in with certain ideas about what I would like to do and then what I'm willing to do. Mm. Okay. There, so just be clear, there is what I would like to do, and then there is what I'm willing to do. Sure. Those are sometimes two different things. Yes. So it's a whole list, right? Yeah. And, it's, and, we, and a spectrum, we, really. And yes, a spectrum. Yeah. And we never really say these out loud, but right. we do carry them with us, right? And some of this has already been negotiated based on whatever 
interactions you've had up to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I put my hand there. She said no, and uh, I, I went to them, and he didn't like that, right? And I called, right. I said this word, and he didn't like that one, right? And the, so I touched him there. Yes, or, or you know, I, and yeah. it's, so it's this pattern of negotiation back and forth. Trying to figure out what the other person likes, yes, what in feels the good heat to them. And, of yeah. an erotic state, right? And so... Where there's not a ton of blood in our brains <laughs> to help us process <laughs> these things. Not as much. So... Some, but I come into that with this unsaid, and my partner comes in with her list right. of unsaid things, right? But uh, what I'm willing to do, what I won't. And so it becomes sexual charades at some point in time. We're trying to communicate to the other person uh, less of this, more of that, yes. without saying less of this, more well, of that. Well, because the, I will. We, I think we've made this joke before, but if you give people two doors, have sex, right, or talk about having sex... Uh, right. We're going to choose have no, sex. Or just have yeah. <laughs> have the same sex, even if it's boring and uncomfortable right. on one side, or, or talk about that yeah. same sex and actually... Try to improve it. People just, oh, no, just give me... Nah, the, I'll just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because maybe they'll say, if I talk about it, uh, I won't get it anywhere, you know, at, right. at all. Well, and is, there, is, there is a sense of shame in a lot of us. Oh, we have that, it uh, inbred in our society. If my partner knew what i really wanted to do just how filthy yes my mind can be my partner would be so repulsed by that that i would be left yes alone yes that, so that, that is somewhere deep down inside of us it's a real fear it's a and it's a it's a fear that we all have a eroticism at some level right and mm-hmm. and if you think about it that erotic Nature, and, and one of my gurus, Dr. David Schnarch, does such a fantastic job in his books, especially Passionate Marriage, Passionate marriage and yeah. Resurrecting Sex. Mm-hmm. He does such a great job uh, how understanding how this plays out within the dynamics of the relationship and within your psyche, that we are so scared mm-hmm. of having that incredibly intimate, vulnerable part of ourselves out in the open. Right. Right? Because you can get rejected for that, and nothing, and you think about it, your eroticism is about as personal yeah, that, as anything. that gets to about the core you. of who you are as deeply as anything Because you were talking about earlier um, how emotionally mature it is and appealing for someone who is able to speak what they want. Yeah. Well, put that in the bedroom, someone who's able to speak clearly about what they want. Uh, yeah. That is a rare, that's a unicorn <laughs> on top of Bigfoot, is what that thing is, right? Yeah, it's the Bigfoot Yeti. riding a... Yeah, yeah riding, a Yeti, a riding a unicorn. Exactly, that's what that is. So, I've got this list, she's got this list... Whatever is common to the list, the lowest common... Okay, so I have my list, and my partner has their list, and wherever the overlap is, that's what we end up doing. What we end up doing, which is going to be, you think about it, the least vulnerable and uncomfortable of anything on the list, because they have to match. Mm -hmm. So one way around that is to have the couple get into an agreement that for this period of time... We'll just go with your list, and I'll put my list away. And you think about it, you don't have to enter encounter, uh, enter into a BDSM uh, agreement in order no. to do this. We all do this at some, uh, sure. uh, at some hey, level. it's just, your birthday, so tonight yeah, you get to exactly. decide whatever. Or I'm just going to put this blindfold on you for you know, 10 minutes, right? It, we, do, we dance around yeah. this thing because there is a sexual... Uh, connection that can be had with letting go mm-hmm. of any control. Yeah. Right. So a lot of times they'll exchange it, but you get into the into the uh, into the um, 
Oh, the, the lifestyles, right? Of, of oh, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The community, because, because right? sometimes people who engage in these sorts of activities, they feel marginalized. Yes. And marginalized people tend to seek out some like-minded community. Well, everybody does. Sure. Really, like, whether it, you're yeah. marginalized and or so not. And so there's huge conventions like Comic-Con right. for the BDSM. Where these, these uh, people who really engage in this, yeah. these sorts of activities on a regular basis right. can find support groups and can find best practices and how do you do it? Sure. Here's how we do it. Here, you know, so, those kinds of things. On to Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes. Right? And on the surface, people hear, oh, that's about bondage, right? Right. It's about that. It's about spanking. It's, and it's about, about stuff uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the gist of the story is it is very, it's a very old narrative. Yes. Of the naive, innocent, waif-like girl who's a virgin, mm-hmm. who does not know the erotic self that lies within her. Does not know the power of her own sexuality. Yes, and certainly has not been taught or freed to express that in any way. And some more experienced... He's older, mm-hmm. he's more experienced, and always he's richer. Mm-hmm. And one so person, he has all the power. Yes, because one person I read, you know what, um, if Christian Gray, instead of being a self-made 28-year-old billionaire talking to this 22-year-old student... yeah. If he's a homeless guy, <laughs> or if, he's, he's, he's an, if, if he's a fifty-five-year-old bus driver, yeah, bookkeeper who's yeah. making, you know, it, it, who makes, which is great. You know, love and, those people, yeah. but you're not getting away with any of this. No, no, so, no. that red room. See you, dude. Yeah, yeah seriously. There's, there's no. Yeah, because you're, the the red room, which yes. in the book is is some sort of that's a, like his. It's the den. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Where he's got all of his toys and mm-hmm. accoutrements, mm-hmm. and where he engages in whatever that stuff is. Uh, if if you're not a billionaire, yeah, uh, that is a potential crime scene. Exactly, like that, that's what that is. When you see that, you you immediately think, oh, okay, I, I'm out I here. need to call someone. Silence of the Lambs uh, yeah, is happening seriously. right yeah, before yeah, my yeah, eyes. Exactly. I'm gone. That's right. a basement. You yeah, know exactly. where? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of yucky. Yes. In, in that sense, for and sure. so for a lot of people, uh, we look at it and we pass judgment on it. Yes. Except, Some, but somebody keeps buying these books, man. Somebody. Because it is tapping into this story of a woman who is allowed to get to know that erotic self. Yes. But she can only do it in a way, and this is Dr. Schnorris talking through me. Uh, <laughs> she can only do it in a way that, so that. She doesn't have to take responsibility for it. See, she's allowed to express because she does engage in repeated sexual acts. It even talks about how many right. orgasms she, she gets. to this, yes. and it is a revelation right. to right. her. It is. It is. But it's dangerous, and it, it's always on that And edge. that's part of the allure. That's part of the allure, absolutely, because we are. Uh, the edge is where eroticism lies. That's right. why just retreating to what we're comfortable with doesn't last very long mm-hmm. with people, right? So yeah. you, you find yourself, I'm un- I don't want to do this and this and this. But I don't want to keep doing what I am doing, and so I don't know what I can do about this. Yeah. So you subject some to yourself to somebody else, and they capture you and carry you into this right new but expression. But when somebody of your... says to you, "How could you do such a thing?" You mm. can always say, "Well, it, it Look, wasn't my idea; I, it was, was all his idea." It, and so... he was rich, and he yeah. took advantage of me, yeah. or whatever. And so she now the story arc does eventually lead to where she begins to gain 
what's called in our circles an internal locus of control. Right. Right. The, the, that's the deal. Is that an external locus of control is what most of us unfortunately live with. It's what you have in your childhood when you are at the at the whim of parents, and especially of parents who aren't really cognizant of what they're doing, and parents who fail to. Uh, enable their child and develop it that look it's up to you right end up with uh, adult children who end up marrying someone yeah oftentimes who will serve as that external locus and this 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 fits into violence Mm -hmm. this is how domestic violence happens where you have somebody who must control through violence and that other person has given up so much of themselves Mm -hmm caring for the person who's violent and then convincing themselves that they actually need me in his life, right, right to care for him because no one else understands him and can withstand his whatever, whatever. And what we really need, e- each one is, uh, of us as individuals, is that internal locus, yes. but too often we rely on the external boundaries yes uh, that are drawn by whether it is your HOA you know sure, or sure. your your church or your synagogue or something like that or your upbringing or your upbringing your society your, somehow and, or and other. the biggest thing is the internal rules of your family yes. that you grew up with the unspoken things the expectations of what you can and cannot do and what you can and cannot think and what you can and cannot want right right all this is about like I love how you opened this this is about what we want and do we have the strength combined with the freedom to be vulnerable enough to speak and pursue what we want without needing that to eclipse what somebody else wants. And oftentimes in these families, like you were talking about, these families or communities, there's what you can and cannot do, but they go beyond that to to not just what you can and cannot do, but what you should and should not even want. Right. And that's, I think, what what this book has tapped into is that taboo. We shouldn't want to be ravished. Right. Yeah, I think suburban soccer moms bought this book by the truckload. And read it on park benches with no paper bags right. around them or anything. And, it and was amazing. Part of it, what it tapped into in them is I think a lot of those women yeah. feel like they shouldn't want to be completely captivated and taken. Sure, sure. But they do want it. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think society, and they're right, Yeah, society will not reward me for being a strong female erotic self. Right. We, has never, right? And and no. it's hard to imagine a society that we, we, we are probably closer than ever before, at least in validating that as a society. But still, this book just reveals, again, I can't do it unless I'm captivated up by right. somebody stronger, a man who is stronger, more powerful than I am. And when you listen to the voices decrying mm-hmm. this book yes. and this upcoming movie, first of all, I always have a hard time with people who criticize something that they haven't read or yes. seen themselves. Yeah. You know, I, I went through that. Way back in the day with Harry Potter, remember, oh, I was my working good for churches Lord. and people were thinking, oh, it's oh, witchcraft, blah, blah, Lord. blah. You know, so I, th- I said, I can't give you an informed opinion until I read the book. Sure. Same thing with the Da Vinci Code, when that whole right, thing... Sure, right, sure, right, sure. So I can't give you an informed opinion until I read the right, book. Right, and, and yet so many of the people who are criticizing this and shaming sure. people for wanting to go see the movie or wanting, you know, having enjoyed the book... Have no plans on seeing it, can't see it, wouldn't read the book, right, or automatically decrying it. And you know? are speaking from that same kind of position of power 
that Christian True. Grey True. occupies. They may not be 28-year-old billionaires yeah, self-made right, with right. A, you know with an eight-pack abs or something like that, but by and large they are white men See, who occupy positions of there's eight abs. <laughs> I obviously wouldn't know looking at my gut right now. But there's eight. There's eight now. Yeah. Well, now I got to see the yeah. movie. If there's actually eight on this guy, <laughs> eight is the eight pack is the new six pack. I think he was uh, a Calvin Klein uh, underwear model. underwear model yeah. before. Now he plays a serial killer on a BBC show. He's a British dude, but he's playing a serial killer. He's a nasty, dark dude. But what is going on in his head? Exactly. He's yeah, it goes little, from he's that. He's got a daughter. Oh, like in real well, life, did you see what he said? A, uh, I would never let my. I will do everything in my power to restrict my daughter from ever seeing this movie. Now, yeah, he's, and, well, and she said because, the same thing about her dad. Yeah, Dakota Johnson did. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah her yeah, dad yeah. is Don Johnson, uh-huh. right, of Miami Vice yeah. fame. Yeah, and okay. she, but she's naked in twenty minutes. So of what, the movie, not twenty minutes in. For no, those of you who are twenty to out of the forward, hun- out of the hundred minutes. For yeah, yeah, yeah. 20. So one fifth of the movie is filmed. Sex. I yes, mean, it's, it's obviously it is. It's but what's interesting is the guy. Kind of stuff, the guy says there's nothing erotic about it. Well, certainly not about filming it. No, but no, he said there's nothing erotic about the sex that they have in oh, his mind. Okay, yeah, right. Well, he said, it, it was interesting. He's because, a more differentiated person than Christian Grey. Well, he had to be really convinced to make it, as did all the producers. Sure. He, I mean, they actually hired a very, very uh, uh, qualified. Um, a credentialed team that all had to be convinced. It's not like, it's like these folks are, you know, hey, I get to make a titillating movie. I mean, they uh, brought like an A-team of producers, cinematographers, right? Who can we do this? How can we do this? And they've made, it? and they're, and I was just reading all this again. I haven't seen it. But Entertainment Weekly and Time Magazine both had articles on it that I thought were both very, very well written. They're talking about the differences that they're trying to make from the book because they're trying to have, Help her be a stronger figure for herself yeah. and that stronger advocate for herself in the movie than she is in the book. Now, what's interesting is they still have to please the fans, the fans, of, yeah, 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 the readers, the, the right? Millions and millions of people who've, who've purchased and this. And so E.L. James right? was on the set every day trying to argue for, no, my readers want it this way, my readers want mm. it this way, right? And so there was, even though she had sold the rights. So it was fascinating to read about the making of it. But it, it, you were talking about the various people who are coming out. It's interesting, right. the different people who are decrying yeah. it. The feminists, right, are decrying it, yes. saying, look, and we're sacrificing all the gains that we've made, right, when you mm-hmm. can only be dominated. That's the only way you can be sexual is if you will willingly be dominated. Mm-hmm. And it's the by the powerful man. within the BDSM yes. community are coming out against it? Because saying that's not BDSM. Right, that's because not what we I, do. And again, I apologize. Uh, I have not read the book. Um because it's hard to read really bad grammar. I mean, it's terrible it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, writing. It's poorly it's, written. It's very poorly written. And, I mean, I, the I had to stop. Continue, the narrative... Keeps... I had to stop midway through the second book. But, Did you? Uh, yeah, it was so, <laughs> so bad. But uh, the... The perils of being married to an English teacher. Oh, gosh. She would, she would criticize you for two different reasons for reading For reading book. that book? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So she... Uh, the BDSM folks, apparently she, a couple of times, uses a safe word. Which, again, for, for people who aren't familiar, mm-hmm. um, w- when uh, when a couple enters into a relationship like we've been talking about, yeah. um, w- if it becomes too intense or if the, uh, the, the dominant one 
is doing something that the submissive one is really, really opposed to, they agree on a word. Right. And they call it their safe word. And when when the, the submissive one uses that word, the dominant one knows to stop. Yes. And he doesn't. So in the book... Which legally yeah. becomes rape. Right. That becomes no. Becomes sexual assault. Yeah, no means right. no. And So I, I don't know if they're going to show that in the movie, but I saw some BDSM folks who are really vehemently yeah. championing, you better not show that because that's sexual assault. So right. we've got people in the BDSM community, feminists, mm-hmm. obviously conservative folks and, and Christian folks are... Finding strange bedfellows yeah. with, with the you know, hardline feminist folks who are saying it's a step backwards in all the liberation we've had of women from the shackles of power that men have put on them and now literally returning to the shackles, mm-hmm. right? As, as, as a depiction of... Uh, like, like, here's the deal: is they're afraid that it's because of the incredible phenomenon that has become, you know, hundred million books. Yeah. I mean, just really books. It's in this day and age, hundred books. Yeah, you know, you can't name a movie that a hundred million people have seen. Yeah, that's tough to do. But a book that that it's takes re- much yeah. more than two hours. It takes you well, know it's, days. Yeah. it's it's remarkable, and it's a series. Anyways, that what they're saying is. Is this tapping into uh, just the way women still see themselves? And are we, by showing this on screen, are we just going to perpetuate it? Well, and you and I have had this conversation ongoing for since we started the podcasts. You know, uh, in in many ways, we don't know how to be men anymore. We don't know what masculinity looks like. Well, you certainly don't. Well, obviously. Look at you, yeah. yeah, Clearly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why I'll be spending Mm -hmm. Valentine's Day alone. Um, Obviously, that impacts men and their image of themselves. Absolutely. We're all second-guessing. But this crisis of masculinity also impacts women. Sure. Because now women don't know what they are allowed to find attractive in a man. There was a time when they knew John Wayne, Tom Selleck, sure. you know, Burt Reynolds. Yep. That's what you found attractive in a man. Then there was Manly a time man. when it was Alan Alda and right. you know this and even of, Woody Allen. Woody Allen and, and, and yes, the, the cerebral Ritter, and, you know, yeah. those kinds of guys. The cerebral comic yeah, you know, thoughtful. So, yeah, doesn't take himself yeah, too seriously. Sensitive. Self deprecating. Right. That was what was supposed to be attractive in a man. And now we don't mm-hmm. so so women watch Mad Men like crazy sure. and love watching Don Draper. Strong Right, men, John yeah. Hamm and right. as Don Draper. And yet they know, oh, there's no way in the world I'd want to be married to that guy. Right. There's no way. If I met him in real life, I'd be repulsed by him, but mm-hmm. I can, I'll watch him on a screen and I'll kind of, whew, you know, he... He kind of does it for me. And that's actually the power of fantasy, right? right? People are scared of fantasy, but fantasy has always been a critical part of our eroticism because it enables us to do that, to, to go there in, in our safe, mind. Yeah. You know, sexuality is always, one of the articles I was reading said, sexuality has always been a theater of the mind, right? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's, that's what keeps it safe. It's when you begin to, and, and everybody has to judge with how much of their fantasy they're going to get into reality. To in, yeah. To, right, but watching somebody else live that out. Sure. 
has power was the allure of pornography. Sure, sure. We we, uh, we watch pornography because these people are doing the kinds of things that we wish sure. we could also in do. the scenarios that we could only fantasize about being in. Right. Sure, with the equipment, right? Uh-huh. That only yeah, you could yeah, fantasize yeah. about being with or having. But then right? when that reality may present itself, sure. Do we choose to act on it or not? And for a long time, I think a lot of conservative people, Christian people, assumed if you fantasized about it, yeah. when given the opportunity, you would do you it. will do it. And so that's just speaking to your depravity. Right. Right. But a lot of these women are reading Fifty Shades of Grey out in the suburbs, you know. Tons. Church, uh, church-going people, absolutely. I don't know that a lot of them are bringing that home and no. actually acting on it. No. Either by being the submissive or by being the dominatrix. Right. You know? No. I don't, I don't think so. Sure. I mean, maybe that's happening in some parts of the world, but I, I, I haven't seen it, haven't encountered it. Well, now, it. thanks to all the ancillary products well, co-branded, you can, you can sure, begin sure. to, you know, it starts with the furry handcuffs. So and... what's healthy and what's not? Well, first, let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, your daughter is 18 now. She is a woman. So she could, if she chose to, go with some of her girlfriends. Absolutely. And go watch this movie. And I would never know. Um, would you want to know? Yeah, sure. And how would, like, just as a dad, not as a therapist, not as a best-selling author, well, I just can't as a shut, dad. I can't shut those things off. Well, you know, they make me, and here's the, I couldn't do my job unless I had made it my job is continually shaping who I am as a dad. Okay. Right? And so that's yeah. why I think I still always preach uh, this stuff and will because it helps shape me. So my, I'm going to, it's not going to sound like a therapist, but it's going to be the same. I'm just curious. Yeah. Right? What she thought, what prompted her to go see it. Yeah. I'm not terrified that her seeing it is going to overtake her senses. Thank you. And suddenly the internal locus of control that I have been helping to Shape, you know shape or and develop years. and 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 prize that internal stuff that I don't care which decision you make nearly as much as you, the decision making process you're going through. Mm-hmm. Right, we're facing this right now with the college choice. Yeah. You know, and, and it ultimately you're kind of leaning one way, and but it sounds like she's kind of leaning. Another we're going way to and... give her the situations, right, and he, what we're going to do, and she's going to make that decision and live with the consequences. Mm-hmm. That's how we've raised her, and so she decides to go. To, I'm curious what. She what prompted her to want to go see it? Yeah. What was she hoping to see? What did she learn? What are her thoughts? You know, it's interesting. She, you know, the the, the more I step back and just watch, the more my kids surprise me with their baseline thoughts about relationship, about morality, about mm-hmm. the, what they want to pursue. She just posted something on Pinterest the other day that my wife texted to me. It said, uh, "Um, be somebody's." Sunday afternoon, not somebody's Saturday night, hmm. something like that. Yeah. It was just a Pinterest thing that she re-whatever. Yeah, you know? repinned or yeah, yeah, I don't know whatever how you do, you it. do I'm on, not on yeah. I'm not on Pinterest because I'm male. Cause, yeah, exactly, because yeah, exactly. we're dudes. Testosterone. But dudes don't go on Pinterest. No. <laughs> Obviously, I was looking <laughs> at that one. So, yeah, that's a good question. I am not here, but I am not scared That's that that thing. movie yeah. is going to... Can we to... all just sort of ratchet that it's fear like I'm not scared of, down I'm, a little I'm bit? I'm not scared if either of my kids see pornography. I'm guessing they have in some sort of right. some form. It's... I'm not scared of it because I do not believe that any image 
or motion picture or drama or uh, play or mm-hmm. song or music has the ability to completely overtake their senses. But how? And garbage in, garbage out, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what we heard that's, when we were kids? That, we we yeah. heard that direct correlation that what you put in your mind is what's going to come out. That applies in accounting. <laughs> that applies in computing. computing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And at some level, yes, over a long period of time. There, yeah, there is what yes. is known as the law of exposure. Yes. That, that what you're exposed to over long periods of time can become normative for yes. you. It Especially shapes your normal. If you're never allowed and even championed. To talk about it. Right. That's the thing. As you're going on. That's, so a that's why this... you asked me, do I, what I want to know about it? Absolutely, I'd want to know about it if she went to see it, because then we could have a great conversation about it. See, a lot of these issues lose so much power when they're just brought out on the table. Just talk about them. Absolutely. Just have a conversation about it. And right. not a judgy, did you go see this movie? Why did you go see this movie? I demand that you tell me what, what was in your I head that know. made you want to go see this movie. How would you, you know, if we can just have a calm Right. Conversation about things. Yep. That mm. diffuses so much of it. And so much of the power these things have over us has to do with shame. Mm-hmm. And shame is always tied to hiding. Right. Always. And so if we are shaming ourselves about this, then we're going to find that erotic self right that mm-hmm. that is the thing we shame the most yeah it's going to wield power somehow the more we shame it mm-hmm. right it's going it's going to wield power and it the most way it, she, it wields power is it just in, it, it it increases our own inner conflict mm. because i hate this thing that it's in me and i especially when i see it in other people and so i'm going to shame it about myself right and so what people do is just shut down their sexuality within their own relationship. Right. That's one of the things they do. But they then project that onto others and shame anybody for reading it and shame anybody for seeing it and shame their own kids, God forbid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? it's, it's what we do when we're scared. We hide, and then we want other people to go we and hide. We demand that other people hide with us. Yes. Yeah, and when someone chooses not to, right. that's when we really freak out. Yeah, I mean, good night <laughs> If you want to be scared of the power, what'd you say? The law of exposure? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 3,000 ads your That's kids... That's the bigger thing. <laughs> oh, my God. The ads consumerist mentality. Violence so, and things like that. But I, I think it's consumerism. Is yeah. You are what you buy is the most powerful message that is preached down our throats every second of every yep. day. And it is so far more dangerous. Which is why than... the DVR has become a godsend in my oh, house, yeah. because I can pause it for just a few minutes it's... at the beginning of a show, and then I can fast forward through the commercials skip, so that I'm not exposed to those babies. Or if you can't do that, then then mute them at sure, least. Sure, sure. Yeah. Now, I, I think we would be doing some of our listeners a disservice if we didn't mention the fact that there there is abuse. There There is physical abuse. There is sexual abuse. There yep. is trauma that goes on in relationships, in a lot of relationships. And well, people and get it, trapped in these patterns. These it's because patterns. They're, they're not able to speak with what, the, with, like you said, with authority as to what they want. So for those people who are thinking, you know, how do I get out of that? Out of the abusive relationship. Yeah, how do how right. out of that abusive pattern? What is there some advice? Is like some quick, you know, a number they can call, a, a website they can visit, something. There are local shelters everywhere, right? There there are four domestic domestic abuse, but the the first thing it has to happen within you, mm-hmm. and you've got to get to a place where I deserve better. 
You've got to have that compassion for yourself as well as the other. You always have this compassion thing for the other guy. Nobody understands him what, or, nobody, or her. Or her yeah. nobody, oh, it's my job. Take care. Blah, 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 blah. You got to have that, extend that same thing to yourself. And you have to be able to stand up tall and speak with what you, about what you want. And usually it's not saying it to the person first. Saying it to yourself. Yes. I deserve kindness. Sure. I deserve patience. I, I have a right to it. Yeah. Right? The same stuff that I would certainly want my kids. You know, I, whenever you're engaged in a relationship that you have questions about, the surest way of t- helping you understand what you need to do about it is ask yourself, 20 years from now, your kid comes and asks your advice about the same exact dynamic that they're caught in. Mm-hmm. What do you tell what them do to do? What do you tell them then? Yeah. Tell them, run to a shelter, get to a therapist, leave the guy... Right? Yeah. Speak up. Speak out. Well, uh, thanks so much for listening to You Must Chill, uh, the weekly podcast on all things Scream Free. Just two guys trying to figure out how to calm themselves down so that we can grow ourselves up, so that we can get closer to the people who matter most. We'll talk to you more next week. You going to see the movie? Uh, I might. I might too. Okay.